You're listening to Fun Shack. I'm Ross Butler, and today I'm talking with David Ewing, a managing partner at ECI Partners, a leading buyout firm and one of the oldest private equity firms in the UK. David has led a number of pioneering deals, including the first ever UK buyout of a native digital business, laterooms.com, and the first ever UK buyout of a native SaaS business, Fourth. David, I brought something along. I don't know if you recognise oh, this. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. No, no, I remember that from back in the day, yeah. So for our listening-only yeah. audience, yeah. Uh, it's um, uh, August 2005 edition of Real Deals. When I was editor and on the front, David is with a couple of ECI colleagues and this, the then CEO of Late Rooms. That's correct, Which yeah. you yeah. just, or maybe about a year before, acquired. And that was um, novel enough to, to prompt me on the cover. Because uh, a buyout firm doing a dot-com deal in 2005 was, well, I think it was a first, actually, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it it was actually 2004. It was December 2004 when we completed the deal, actually, which, you know, and back in the, you know, know, the the internet back then was quite a dirty word. You know, we'd definitely been through the dot-com crash, you know, all the venture money had sort of been lost. And yet there was was, um, a lot of kind of really great businesses around that were kind of really had disrupted the market and we're we're kind of moving into that kind of realms where the the realm where sort of private equity became relevant for them and it was in part it was the kind of making of my early career not just that deal but deals like that and I'm not sure how much of this you know Ross but you know I got quite a an unusual background for private equity insofar as I was a software developer that I was in kind of digital media before I joined uh, the private equity industry and so I was kind of well-placed to get involved in businesses like Late Rooms. And as you suggest, it was, I mean, I think that was the first ever buyout of a, of a kind of native digital business in the UK. And uh, it was a super deal for us. And it sort of set out the scene for private equity doing these kind of digital businesses for, you know, ever since then, really, I suppose. So actually, I don't know that. So how did you get, the, the interesting question is how you got from software to private equity. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I still not really worked that out uh, myself. I... I was, I mean, I did uh, a research degree in helicopter simulation in distributed computing platforms, you know, back in the sort of early 90s. I then uh, joined a computer games firm that made uh, flight simulation computer games as a coder. You know, so it's pretty kind of hardcore computing, really, I suppose. The firm I worked for um, was bought and sold a couple of times and I had convinced them to pay for me to do an executive MBA at Manchester Business School. And as a consequence of these transactions taking place, I got involved in the kind of periphery of those transactions. I had a little bit of, I wouldn't go as far to say deal experience, but kind of deal knowledge, let's say. And uh, ECI at that time was, um, you know, we we'd, we'd, were pretty heavily involved in technology deals, even, even prior to my involvement because it's the, of the kind of growth focus of, of the business. But but there was a, a sort of a view that it would be good to have someone with a sort of stronger technological background rather than a kind of banking or mm. any advisory background to, to join the team. So I joined um, at the sort of beginning of 2001. So so, so it was uh, it was kind of after the, the kind of dot-com crash and, you know, uh, it took me quite a long time to sort of find my feet in the business and in the industry. I think, you know, I didn't have the the kind of the mechanics of doing deals were something that I had to learn as someone in my kind of early 30s rather than in my early 20s. Mm. 
uh, which um, which was quite challenging. But at the same time, I did bring something to the party that maybe my colleagues didn't bring to the party with with the not so much technical knowledge, but just a sort of just the kind of real life experience, I suppose, that yeah. that, that um, most people uh, didn't have so much uh, back in those days. I'd be surprised at just how negative like the, the the take I had in 2004 on the internet was. And it's like oh, yeah, hi- yeah. highly controversial. And because this business is, uh, you know, and, and now it's like, well, if you weren't in that position, then you wouldn't, that would that would be controversial. Yeah, the world's yeah. completely well, I, I, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, the, I mean, asset light. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it's uh, you know, there's no there's no. I remember we we raised a, a little bit of debt for this transaction, and it was kind of like there's there's just some computers in the room, and and that's it. Where's the security? You know, and and say. Uh, you know, I didn't. Th- I didn't think it was groundbreaking just because I just thought it was a great business, a great business model, and a wonderful market opportunity, and a, a great bunch of guys that were really driven to to, to make stuff happen. Um, but, but coming from you know the the banks that were looking at it, or other 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 firms that would be considering it, it was probably quite different to most of the stuff that they were looking at at that time and before then. You know, so. so um, yeah, I probably didn't appreciate at the time that it was quite a groundbreaking deal. And I'm delighted to see that you've just shown the cover photograph and not the inside photograph, which I seem to remember is uh, four of us in, in a bed together. Oh, the bed, but the, yeah. the, the less said about that, <laughs> the better. Yeah. And so you've taken that. And I also, I actually saw on your website that that I think you you did one of the first software as a service yeah, buyouts yeah, in the UK yeah, as well. Yeah, oh, certainly. I mean, there's, 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 I mean, that was fourth, uh, which was a, a business which was a sort of, native SaaS business that, that sold kind of ERP systems in the hospitality sector. And and again, I mean, you know, you know that time it was still, I mean, the US was was far ahead of the UK at that moment in time. It's nice to know, but at the, then it was. And, and um, there were very few businesses that were native kind of cloud, you know, single instance uh, businesses, you know, they, they just didn't really exist in, in any great volumes in the UK at that time. And they... Uh, Fourth, we just sort of thought was a really, a really super business. You know, it was uh, it was well run, and uh, they had a wonderful proposition, uh, and um, a kind of market which, I mean, hospitality as a vertical market was was pretty interesting. I think from a software perspective, it was just massively underpenetrated. You know, we just see from time to time you see verticals that j- just don't have um, modern technology in them. And there's a wonderful kind of land grab opportunity uh, when you see that. You know, I mean, some sectors, you know, manufacturing, finance, there's been wonderful software solutions in those sectors for forever and a day, really. You know, but hospitality, you know, retail was another one at the time, which were kind of late adopters of kind of modern computing, for want of a better phrase. And uh, and um, you know, fourth was a, was a pretty special business, I think. You know, so we were delighted to get involved in that and. Uh, you know, we did well out of it, but it's continued to do extremely well. I was going to uh, say, how uh, right were you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think. I mean, the, I mean, the business. I mean, it's gone on, and they've they've kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's quite a big business in North America now. You, you, you know, but I mean, that's in part through acquisition. Uh, but um, you know, but it's gone on to be a really successful, a really successful business, and that's one of the lovely things about the job. You know, I mean, we 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 get involved in uh, an important chapter uh, of a business's life. You know, quite often. Even now, at the size of deals that we're doing just now, we, we quite often are, are the sort of first institutional shareholder in businesses. There's still a lot of primary uh, primary deals that we do. Roughly how and what proportion? It's about half and half mm. now. I mean, it's getting you know more weighted mm. to, to secondaries. It's quite as unusual for a buyout firm yeah. I mean, to do. It's uh, it's um, but but um, 
it, it is, yes, I mean, our average deal now is about 150 EVs. So, you know, you're, you're, they're relatively big privately owned, properly privately owned businesses, if, you know, family owned businesses or whatever, you know, if, if but uh, but it still happens. But, um, you know, recognising that we hopefully are quite an important chapter in a business's development. But if we are doing our jobs properly, I mean, these are businesses that should go on and on to to, to be successful for many, many years to come. And we've got lots of great examples of that in the portfolio, a number of which have gone on to become sort of, you know, businesses that are transacting at well over a billion, a billion pounds, you know. So, so, so uh, it's great to be involved at our stage, but it's also lovely to see these businesses continue to do well. And often with secondary or tertiary deals as well, you know, the, this sort of private equity is, as, is, is really as it matures as an industry it has has demonstrating that it can be a, a great ownership model for a long long time with different sponsors involved at different periods in in that chain you know so, so as it kind of matures as an asset class uh, this sort of sophistication uh, of the asset class is coming through you know and 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 that's shining through in some of the example businesses that have gone from a tiny business to a huge business. Have you ever been tempted to, uh, you know, raise one of these continu- continuation funds, I think it is? Yeah, it? yeah. I mean, it is, It is. you know, certainly one of the features in the market just now, I suppose, is, as you know, is is, is that people are keeping invested uh, in in the same businesses for longer periods of time. And, 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 and given the relatively kind of constricting nature of the 10-year the LLP structure, which is the standard structure in the industry, you know, people obviously have explored how do we, get, you know, if we've got a, a business which we think is great with a management team are doing brilliant things, the, the, the last thing we want to do is lose exposure to that completely. Uh, so, 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 I mean, we've done, we've done a few things um, where, where, I mean, most notably, I suppose, with um, Auction Technology Group that we kind of effectively sold to TA, but we reinvested in that business through a different fund, you know, ECI 9 sold it to, to ECI 11 and, and TA. Uh, we also did our sort of first full fund-to-fund transfer in a business called Avantia, which is a kind of machine learning business in insurance, and uh, which we just thought was, it was kind of too good to, to lose the exposure to. And, and we did, you know, we again moved that from ECI 9 to, to, to ECI 11. Uh, but, but even at a smaller scale, you know, kind of, you know, reinvesting some of the proceeds you know, alongside an incoming sponsor, you know, that's happening more and more uh, as well, both on, for us on the buy side and on the sell side, we're seeing that e- equation both ways. And, um, you, you know, I, I think that's a pretty interesting development in the markets. And then we've seen some funds that have had, you know, 15 year exposures to individual businesses through a variety of different funds and sometimes, a control position, sometimes a, a, a minority position, uh, and then you know working with LPs to to bring them into the structures and stuff like that as well. You know, so so I mean the hard the hardest part of our job is finding and getting exposure to the most interesting businesses. And so when you've kind of found that, it's kind of like, well, how do we a help this business become bigger and better, but also b continue to maintain an exposure to it for a longer period of time. Well, so let's talk about that. How you how you originate. Deals. I mean, it's it's always been a competitive market. Yeah, it would be yeah. news if you told me it, it wasn't. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but how are you finding things at the moment? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's uh, you know we've got a, we've got a. I mean, we've 
benefited, I suppose, from having a dedicated origination team for well over 20 years. And uh, so we've kind of, over the piece, we've probably tried and tested, you know, kind of every variant of, of what, what the art of the possible is and, and, you know, sort of distilled that down now into, into kind of what works for us. So in principle, what we're trying to do is we want to get early and preferred access into the best businesses. I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to achieve, I suppose. And, and we do that in a variety of ways. I mean, we have built our own sort of microservices AI tool, which kind of analyzes, you know, everything you can imagine and sort of pops up sort of businesses that are going to be quite interesting. So that's one, one method. We also, um, study the secondary market pretty, I mean, one of the nice things about secondary market is, you, you know, transactions are pending there. Uh, you know, so when when the BCT funds, the smaller buyout funds, and and even our direct competitors are doing deals, you know, we will, you know, monitor these businesses pretty carefully, make sure we're speaking to all of the relevant people around those transactions, the management teams, and indeed the incoming sponsors. And um, we also obviously stick pretty close to the advisory community. You, you know, I mean, it is it is a uh, there's a lot of I mean, the advisory community is is very sophisticated within the UK market and ever getting ever more sophisticated in terms of the the certain issues that they're kind of finding and the the knowledge of the advisory communities is really excellent as well. You know, so so we've got this kind of multifaceted approach, which um means that we 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 effectively look at the entirety of the mid market. Yeah. Uh, it's is very, it, very rare that we miss an opportunity. Is it good that the advisors yeah. are getting so good? Because doesn't it mean that it's less likely that you're going to uncover something? Uh, like- uh, uncovering something is great because we, and we do, we we have had real success at doing bilateral deals, mm. but, but they, they are as difficult as sort mm. of mm. sort of managed processes as, as well. I mean, partly there's, there's typically more discovery involved mm. uh, in these processes, as, as you can imagine. Um, but also you've, Constantly, it's not. I mean, it, it, we 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 are paying the same high prices for the bilateral deals as we're paying for the the kind of auctioned processes that we're. You know, it's not it's not cheaper. The the um, because you 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 don't have someone that has cast that kind of critical eye over the business and identified what the potential issues are and at least cons- begun the construction of a solution to those things that the advisory community does. You know, quite often they're, they're kind of harder deals to pull off. Um, but, uh, but I mean, for us, it's, you know, we know we're, we're going to have to, you know, to, to win a, a deal in, in a competitive market, you know, we've got to get the economics right. So we've got to pay the highest price. It's the best deal to management team. It's, you know, everything, all the detail that goes along with that. We also need to be the most deliverable party, you know, so we need to be able to transact quickly with minimal conditionality if there's any exclusivity, which is even that's quite rare in the marketplace that we have. And then thirdly, and really importantly, We've got to convince the decision makers, be that the, the owners, the management team, that we are going to be the best party f- for this business going forward. We can provide the most help and support, you know, so, so kind of winning the hearts and minds of the decision makers. There's, there's, there's a, and and the, the conclusion that we've come to is that we've got to be winning in all three of these fronts in order to win the rights to, to, to do the deal. Yeah. You, you know, so, so it is... You know, it's it's very competitive. You know, there's a number of firms that have a similarity to us that are trying to do the same thing, and um, you know, we benefit, I think, from having a you know huge portfolio experience. You know, you know, we've been doing this for 
46 years uh, now as a firm. Uh, that, been, that must make you one of pretty much the oldest firm out there, isn't it? The pretty UK pretty much. I mean, there's, there's uh, you know, there's a few names that, that I mean, obviously it's before my time, so, yeah. so, so thankfully, but, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, there's, there's a few names, so they, you know, 3i, it's in Ben's mm-hmm. packs and stuff like that, that, that were around then that are still uh, around in different guises just now. But in terms of the, the, I mean, ECI has been very, um, focused on this kind of UK mid-market you know we've, we've that that's where we are today and that's pretty much where we were at the beginning as well you know so, so there's there's been the the relevancy of our history to our mm. current and future is real and uh, I think that for us is is one of the differentiators and so you, and you've stayed there because you like it there you no plans so the, the UK's are fantastically entrepreneurial we're, we're, we're all you know, kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm Scottish, you know, so I quite like it, yeah. The, the, uh, the, there's lots of entrepreneurs in the UK, but but also actually interestingly, I think over the over the duration of, of my career, I mean, one of the things that we've seen, which is which has changed, I think, is 20 years ago, we were kind of looking to North America to, to sort of see what they were doing. And, and in, in some ways we were just not copying them, but, but you know, there were, there were certainly leading indicators that we could see from, from the States that would would sort of percolate the way through into the UK economy and the UK kind of deal in private equity environments. I, I think that is substantially changed now. I mean, it's not, it's there's still elements that will come that way from them to us, but increasingly there's elements that are going from us to, to them as as well. You know, so so, so you, you mean know, in terms of like new business models, new, new, new business technologies. New business models and technologies, yeah, most certainly. You know, and I mean we've we've been invested in, you know, we we are doing a lot of bolt-on activity from our UK portfolio or buying US businesses, you know, which is not something that we thought we'd really be doing, you know, 20 years ago, you know. And, and if you look at the source of that, there are things like, um, you, you know, both in, in software and in, you know, say things like, um, you know, compliance or something like that. You know, we, we've just exited a, a business, CPOMS, which was in um, safeguarding for children in, in schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got the kind of world leading safeguarding in the UK. You know, that is a market which is safeguarding in the US means metal detectors when you enter a school, not actually kind of incident management of pupils who are suffering issues at home or in school or anything like that. You know, and 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 the reason why it's so well developed in the UK is is because safeguarding is taken very seriously, you know, in order for a school to pass its softstead. Uh, inspection, they need to be able to demonstrate that they are adequately managing safeguarding and the CPOM software product does that. And that is only beginning to exist in certain states in, in the US just now. So, so the, 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 the sort of, in an increasing number of cases, the, the kind of the development of businesses uh, is taking place in the UK and being exported to the, the US or indeed to, into continental Europe as well. You know, so so I think we should be rightly proud mm. of the the environment and the economy that that we live in, and indeed the place that private equity plays in that economy as well. You know, so so I think it is it it is a it is a pretty it's a pretty good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with these guys that have gone bigger and you know sort of they're raising more money and and uh, paying more carry and stuff like that you know so there's no it's I, I wouldn't uh, well they're helpful to uh, you because you know you get to exit to them I guess yeah so. indeed yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's I mean again it goes back to this sort of sophistication of the market yeah. and this idea that that actually there's that there's kind of a private equity solution for 
every situation, uh, give or yes. take, let's say, you know, which uh, which perhaps wasn't the case <clears throat> 20 years ago. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the UK market because so the governance, the, the safeguarding example is interesting because it's like um, there's this kind of intellectual governance level thought leadership that happens in the UK and then you yeah. get the software layer on top of it yeah. because yeah. without the software layer it'd be difficult to see how well, how it how would be a yeah um, yeah in essence that was a pen and paper uh, exercise prior to, to or excel spreadsheets mm. you know and and um, but similarly with with fourth i mean fourth was you know you know in, back in the day you'd go into Wagamama and they had a whiteboard that says you're working Saturday and I'm working Sunday on it and mm. uh, and actually you can put that on a platform and mm. we can swap shifts and see what we're doing what we're going to get paid at the end of the month and order electronically and everything like that you know so it is it is um, uh, you know the the innovation uh, f- from a technological perspective I think is is wonderful. Now you told me about your background I'm tempted to assign all of your software successes to the fact that you're <laughs> software, but that can't be true because no. no, no. no. <laughs> So, I think I think there is. There, there, I mean, first of all, the, the, any knowledge that I have is 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 massively out of date. Um, you know, certainly you do from a uh, you, you maybe do think of businesses through a kind of architectural lens or a data lens. Which, if you're an investment banker, you maybe don't. You think of it through a kind of financial lens primarily. You know, so, so you maybe are coming at things from a slightly different angle. Mm. But I think I think there's 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 the, it, it helps me connect with management teams mm. uh, rather than yeah. allows me to contribute to their, you yes. know, product roadmap, let's yeah. say, you know, so, 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 so um, but even that is, you know, I've been, I've been at ACI for over 20 years, you know, so I'm a, I'm a kind of private equity guy yeah, rather yeah. than a, I was going to say the people element is so know, huge. Yeah. That, and it that, is, I mean, the, yeah. the sort of, I mean, there's, I was thinking about it on the, on the way over here about, everything that's sort of changed in the industry. But but one thing which hasn't changed is, you know, kind of good people and good businesses. I mean, that's really, you know, at its simplest level, what we're trying to do is is find, you know, people that have got, you know, some innovation about them, some drive, uh, a vision and a passion, and, um, you know, work with them to help make kind of good businesses, great businesses. I mean, it's, and that's not changed, you know, that's, that's, that's been a kind of ever constant within the industry. And uh, at the root of it, that's where, that's where the bigger, better businesses come from and the, and the money's made ultimately. You, you alluded earlier to the importance of being attractive to decision makers and, and the fact that a lot of those will be founders. What is your sell to management? What's the ECI um, yeah, I mean, it's and it's 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 pretty nuanced, really. I suppose you know. If, I mean, if you look at the, the 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 there's some basic things you know, kind of do what you say you're going to do. You know, there is you know we've got a kind of sh- show don't tell. You know, so we'll do a lot of work pre-deal. Quite often that'll be around say something like uh, acquisitions or something like that. So we'll sit down with the teams and say, well, this is what this is what our thoughts are, and share them and, and come to us. You know, so to to sort of demonstrate to these people what we're like to work with post-deal. Um, but a lot of it comes down to just the the direct experience that we have. You know, we've invested businesses just like theirs in the past, or we've invested businesses that have achieved the things that they are trying to achieve in the past. And the kind of stories that come from there and the the relevancy of those stories, if they are high enough, that makes us attractive to, to, to management teams. And then there is just the kind of, you know, to be a good partner. You know, to, to which which is is everyone in the industry obviously has got an ambition to to do that. But when you've got the track record that we have, and you've got the 
you know, hundreds of case studies that the, the, that management team can go and speak to the chief execs of the businesses that we've backed previously and what are we actually like to work with in practice and where did they really see the value adds, uh, you know, that that helps in that, you know. So so, so I think there is, um, you know, d- different people will have different things that are important to them. So so it, it, we don't have a single solution, which is the, the kind of panacea t- t- to that. Mm. But I think just the, 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 the kind of, the combination of experience and kind of humility and, and recognising that it's, you know, we are kind of, Helping and supporting and facilitating other people doing great work uh, is is uh, is the core of it. From my layman's perspective, it looks like there are some private equity firms out there that that are really software specialists, and they have a kind of a cookie cutter approach in a in a very narrow kind of niche, and just almost do the seem to do the same deal over and over. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be. When I just looked at your portfolio, how how you operate, you see, your your deals seem to have more variety. Yeah, to them. Is that yeah, fair? I think, and there are there are, and it, you know, and and particularly if you if you go to the states, I mean, there's there's one firm in particular that 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 is that is designed and built on a cookie cutter model. This is they have in their views worked out what the optimum way that a software business should be organised, and then will look for opportunities to buy businesses that are not like that because they think they can they can make operational improvements in the business to 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 move it to that kind of standard operating model. The the you know we take a more bespoke approach. Um you, you know there is there is all and often I think within software in particular there is there's there's a kind of there's a kind of legacy involved in these things. There is a kind of architecture that they have, there's a platform that they use and and say, uh, you know, you can't necessarily get from A to B in short order. And also the 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 where BS kind of changes over time a little bit as well, you know. So so, but I think it is just down to 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 people really, and you, you know, obviously, often it's not like the the technical part of a business often isn't the most important part. It is the the product, the service that they're delivering, the features and benefits of their offer to their customer community. That's the thing that we're really most focused on. Um, but but even in that, I mean, if you take something like um, product management, um, you know the 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 I mean that, that that is one area where the US is definitely in front of the UK. You know they do have a much more product first view of the world as opposed to in, in the in the US they've got they they kind of think but, about product more the better structured product management right. and, and product roadmap. Whereas we're more focused on the. Um, technology itself yeah perhaps you yeah. know and particularly in founder businesses they might have you know that they, they, they might have been technologists themselves right. and they kind of they, they set down a certain path yeah. and and product is is not managed independently of technology i see uh, let's yeah. see uh, so so we quite often see that in the in the portfolio but um you know it is it is you know you know we're often we're, we're dealing with you know relatively small businesses, you know. So so as I said, on average they're about 150 million EV, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten million EV, but that, that sort of order on the on the way in. So there's still businesses that are relatively young, um, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years old. Um they they've 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 got a lot of growing pains. Uh, and um y- you know often what we're helping businesses do is kind of just bring some experience to how we deal with growing pains. Yeah. Uh, um, which is ever present, really? I suppose. And and presumably, with, have to do a lot of management succession, given you're buying from founders. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, there is, there is, um, and and it, it would be quite typical for us to do deals where the founders are 
still involved as managers. Um, and quite often a transaction is is facilitating them to sort of de-risk their personal sort of uh, economics a bit, you know, take some cash off the table, reinvest some cash in the business, but also then work through some management succession, you know, to enable them to, if they want to, you know, to to leave the business as a shareholder and as a manager when we come to exit, you know, so that will be a quite a common story uh, that we have with people. And, and uh, you know, we've got lots of examples where that's worked well. Uh, and um, and often as well, there's there's there is a lot of supplementing the management team that goes on. You know, particularly if you're looking to do, you know, to double or triple the size of the business or to grow more aggressively through acquisitions. Qu- quite often, you've got you've got to beef up the senior team quite a bit. You know, so there is a lot of thought that goes into the people uh, within the portfolio companies. And um, you know, at the same time. You, you, you know, you you were were backing. There's an incumbent team that have been really successful that has alerted us to the business that's made it of interest to us. So how do we kind of continue to get the best out of that incumbent team, but supplement them to to really kind of push the business forward? Yeah. There's lots of exciting things to say about your portfolio, but I'm going to pick out the probably the most yeah. mundane thing you yeah. could say about it, which is that I noticed that they all seem to be in kind of like commuter belt towns around the like like New Malden is quite close to where I live and you know Watford yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're all in industrial so you, you're in central London's ECI yeah. but actually to do your to do the real business you go out to these yeah absolutely and 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 just you know we, we've got an office in in Manchester we have had for 25 years I was I was based in Manchester for 10 years that we had in my career we've opened an office last year in New York to help our portfolio in the UK expand into North America um, but a but a business like um, Seapoms that I mentioned earlier was in Skipton in North Yorkshire, you know. So so we are uh, sadly we don't do many deals in Scotland. But we'll try have tried uh, for a long time to, to rectify that. But uh, but um, you know we we go to where the businesses are, you know, and um, and and you know going back to the sort of strength and depth within the UK economy and that entrepreneurship that that exists throughout the country. You know that is not a southeastern phenomena. Um, um, you know, so, so we've we've invested, and late rooms obviously was based in Manchester. You know, it's uh, oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got an office. So you, you ECI has an office in America to help your businesses launch uh, over yeah, there. Yeah, so, yeah. So so uh, you know, it's it's been uh, you, you know, although we are a, a kind of UK fund, and ostensibly we're investing in businesses that are headquartered or founded in the UK. About forty percent of the portfolio revenues are overseas, and um, and indeed um, we've got a couple of businesses recently that have effectively transitioned their headquarters from the UK to the states during our kind of ownership period, and they're now almost you know they would be thought of really as North American businesses rather than UK businesses. I think um, you know with the chief execs based there, and and um, and so quite often you know we we are looking to get exposure to you. Number one thing, we want these niche markets with strong sustainable growth drivers. That's the kind of number one component of the investment strategy. And so we we find a business uh, that, that's that's in that market, um, the market leader in a niche market. Um, the, the, the there's lots of good things about that, but one of the bad things about that is that your your total addressable market is capped if you're a UK only provider. You know, so so a very very common theme within the portfolio is how do we Start or continue to expand the international footprint of the of the business, and um, you know whilst we've done a lot in China, we've done a lot in Europe, 
uh, you know, North America is, you know, history has shown us that North America is where the types of portfolio companies we're investing in are primarily looking at. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we were just sort of spending a lot of time there. We do a lot of acquisition, bolt-on acquisitions in North America and, uh, you know, thought it would be sort of prudent to put some feet in the ground there and, um, you know, really try to sort of add a bit of more room to, to that expansion. And so um, do you have any examples of portfolio companies that have taken this concept, their concept to America and, and have, and have thrived in that incredibly, yeah, presumably? Uh, well, fourth is a good example of that. It was probably one of the first ones yeah. that, that really worked. You know, we, we did, you know, one of the one of the sort of challenges, I suppose, is is that you know we're investing in businesses that are growing quickly, yeah. and um, it's it's actually quite difficult to pull that off on an organic only basis. Mm. So 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 so, you know, if you're growing at 30 percent in the UK and you start a nascent organic, mm. uh, you know, to to in, in order for that one. in order yeah. for that to be 40 percent of of the total revenues in four or five years time when we exit, you've got to really, you've got to really go some organically in that. So, so, so typically there would be a kind of a, a, a dual uh, a sort of process whereby we, we are looking at acquisitions in internationally, specifically in this instance in North America. And, uh, but also we've got a kind of organic go-to-market plan as well. And we did that with, you know, going back into in, the days with fourth, you know, we bought a business article in Connecticut's, um, which you know, which had proper traction in the in the kind of hotels market in 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 North America, and then we brought some of Forth's products in. We could kind of bolt onto the a kind of inventory product. We could bring our people products in there, and uh, cross sold that very effectively. So by the time we exited the business, it was clear we were going to it was a it was going to be a US buyer, and the the, the next big chapter of the business was going to be US expansion. You know, so so and that's uh, lo and behold what happened. But there's lots. I mean, there's 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 a plethora of examples of of that kind of international expansion. Sure. What's it like being a managing? I think you're a co-managing partner of a, of a UK mid market firm these yeah. days. What are the what are the kind of the pressures that well you never <laughs> expected to, you'd have to deal with? Didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I so well. First, I just just with these four managing partners at, right. at ECI. You know, we've got a. Uh, you know, we are, for better or for worse, we're a business managed by committee, uh, and um, and. Uh, it works for us, you know. It's, I, I suppose, you know, if you look, if you look, recently, I mean, two two years ago, uh, COVID came, uh, in a big way uh, to the UK. You know, the global financial crisis didn't feel that long ago, you know. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's kind of like this is another, you know, and and even at the very beginning, you knew, you knew everyone knew at the very beginning that this was gonna, this was gonna be substantial and this could really impact. Um, you know our portfolio and stuff like that. You know, you know, you know. So, so, so I think, you know, we certainly reflected very carefully on the lessons that we learned from the financial crisis. We um, took the view that we would, we would, you know, that, that we would get the portfolio together on a really regular basis with the help and support that they required from us, from uh, the advisory community, uh, and uh, make sure that we were doing all the right things with the portfolio and communicating properly with them. Uh, and so, and so that was a, that was definitely a, <clears throat> you know, a, a pretty challenge, a fast paced and quite challenging kind of, you know, how, how do we make sure that we come out of this as best as we possibly can? Because at the beginning, it really wasn't clear. And, um, you know, thankfully we, we 
didn't have any specific exposure to things that were in the absolute front line here, you know, and and thank goodness, you know, we 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 exited something like Encore tickets that sold theatre tickets in the West End in February 2020, you know, so, so that's a business which was going to clearly be, you know, in the absolute front line of of, of COVID, um, and. You know, there was lots of people that had deals on international travel and, you know, we at that moment in time just had travel chapter UK domestic, you know, sort of digital platform that, that manages holiday cottages. So so we were, we, we felt we are less exposed to the front line of direct impact of, of COVID, but we knew from the financial crisis that, you know, we, we, we sort of went through, there could be liquidity issues that come through, you know, you know, there was, it was really unclear how the, um, you know, pre the you know the the government being phenomenal amount of support to, to to businesses, which thankfully we didn't have to rely on too, too much. The community rallied together during COVID in a way that perhaps they didn't rally together in the financial crisis. You know, so, so the investment the, community, the, the, the investment community. You know, so so, so the, I mean, in particular, there I think with the response from the banks and the, the debt funds was was excellent. You know, it was a, a really mature. There wasn't any direct reaction. There was, there was, uh, um, people were were wanting to find solutions to any problems that arose, rather than were looking to sort of manufacture uh, situations, which uh, was a, a very welcome uh, thing. And I think it's it's meant the community. The community it, it feels a kind of a nicer place to work now. Mm. I think as mm. as as, as mm. that kind of coming together of people. So I think I think COVID was probably was pretty challenging, you know, from a sort of running a business perspective. You know, we obviously had to go through what everyone had to go through of how do we can we do this kind of remotely? And and uh, you know, we're we're very thankful we we invested a lot of time and money into moving all of our systems into the cloud and stuff like that. So from a kind of technological perspective, um, you know, we could we could make that transition uh, reasonably seamlessly. You know, probably within a week we were. We were kind of issue free from a kind of tech technological perspective, um, and then there was can we actually do deals in this kind of environment? We're not getting to spend time with each other, you know. And and uh, I think it was in July 2020 that we invested in in CSL, which was our biggest ever deal, a bilateral deal, um, at, at sort of 250 million pounds, you know. So that was uh, which we pulled off, you know. In lockdown, and uh, that felt like my word. We can actually still do this, uh, and then thankfully, I mean, our own performance is, or the portfolio performance rather, is, has been exceptional. But actually, the industry's performance has been exceptional. You, you know, I mean, it really is. As an industry, <clears throat> I'll say sort of technology with a big T. I mean, that's that that the bulk of the industry is is invested in technology with a big T. You know, technical business services or technical consumer, as well as proper tech businesses. And um, you know, they by and large have done extremely well. Um, somewhat unbelievably, pricing has gone up. Yeah. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, history shows us that that will change. Uh, but uh, but it's if a global pandemic uh, it hasn't seemed to burst that bubble we've yet to see if the sort of Russia-Ukraine situation uh, turns into something which bursts that bubble that might happen but there is just this way of money I mean I, you know the big global investors have worked out private equity is a, is a great asset class to be invested in <clears throat> the returns continue to be very strong relative to other asset classes and yeah whilst there is it's an illiquid asset class the sort of premium that you get for that is is 
overachieved from the returns, you know. So, 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 so uh, you know, there's still this phenomena where <clears throat> the, the more and more money's going in to, to private equity. I think it's only about two percent of public markets, you know. So there's 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 a there's a lot to go. Uh, yeah, and also, I think the other side of that equation, I think, I think, kind of owners and managers of you know going back to this sort of sophistication and the kind of layering of of you know size of deals and and t- types of situations. Managers have also worked out that um, of managers of portfolio companies yeah. or of companies or owners of companies have also worked out that that private equity can be a long term solution. You know, so there's this kind of there's more money coming in. There's also a kind of increasing acceptance of private equity as a sort of ownership model or co-ownership model, and um, you, you know it does feel as if there's 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 a lot of open road uh, in front of us collectively. It's a very nice picture you paint because you know the the the, cla- the classic um, criticisms of private equity. One is that although we're short termist, and everyone's doing everything they can to be longer term. Than the limited partnership structure yeah. can allow you yeah. can yeah. allow you to yeah. be. I mean, I'm delighted, oh. I and mean, I've spent the bulk of my career uh, in this industry, and you know, it's been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it, and um, you know, it's it's been it's been great for me. You know, so, so uh, you know, my sons are are just at university just now. I'm not pointing them directly at, at this uh, workplace, but uh, but um, you know, certainly just sharing, you know. Thinking about about a career in in the eyes of younger people, you know, I think it's a, it's a great it's a great industry to join, both in private equity directly and the kind of the community that it, that sits around, um, you know, private companies and transactions. I think is is excellent. There's that view that oh, um, the more money that goes into it, well, the more returns will come down. But actually, that's kind of zero. It's a zero sum way of looking at it. Isn't yeah, it? I also think that's that is um, that's actually incorrect as well. I mean, there's enough history that you can look back and see actually what's happened. And, and you know, I don't have data in front of me just now to quote to you, but but certainly kind of anecdotally, large cap buyouts have provided very high and very stable returns for a long, long period of time. You, you know, they've been outclassed just now by venture, but venture has been much more volatile going back. But venture returns just now are superb. And, uh, you know, the mid-market returns have probably have probably um, been slightly below large cap over long periods of time. You know, very strong and very consistent, but slightly below. So, so I think the the kind of more money equals more competition equals lower returns. I don't think that equation stacks up. I think it is, um, you, you know, just the, the sticking to the you know finding great businesses with great management teams and then providing them with all the tools and support to achieve as much as they possibly can. That that model just seems to work, you know, and and you know, maybe inappropriate to see in perpetuity, but certainly there's no there's no end there's no end in sight. Yes, yeah. Uh, so so we'll see what happens. Brilliant. Well, David, it's great catching up with you. Thanks very much yeah. for uh, sharing all your thoughts. Super. Thank you very much indeed, Ross. You've been listening to the Fund Shack podcast. Make sure you subscribe and visit our website at fund-shack.com for many more video interviews. It's the private capital channel for alternative investment professionals. Thanks for listening.